Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. Today, we're going to discuss the career of Joe Namath and why some people believe he was overrated. My take is that many criticisms of Namath are unwarranted. Here are just a few of the criticisms against Namath I've heard many times before. Namath had 173 career touchdowns compared to 220 career interceptions. Namath only had a 50% completion percentage and a 65.5 passer rating. While all of that is true, there are reasons for the mediocre stats. Namath played from 1965 to 1977, when football was very different from the game you see today. It wasn't an era when quarterbacks built up great stats. One must also remember that Namath played the first part of his career in the AFL, and AFL quarterbacks weren't conservative in play calling. They were riverboat gamblers, routinely throwing 40, 50, and 60 yards downfield. Pass interference penalties were rare, as receivers were getting bumped all the way down the field. There wasn't a five-yard rule back then. And Namath called his own plays. AFL quarterbacks favored the long pass. That's very different from today's game, with its pitch-and-catch mentality. In today's game, quarterbacks build up great stats with an assortment of short passes. Not so back then. Let's also remember that Namath didn't play on a good team for most of his career. The Jets had only three winning seasons from 1965 to 1976, and only one other Jets player made it to the Hall of Fame, Don Maynard, Namath's favorite receiver. John Riggins made it too, but that accomplishment had more to do with the nine years Riggins spent with the Redskins. There's another thing some fans contend. If the Jets hadn't won Super Bowl III against the heavily favored Colts, Namath would not be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe that's true, but they did win, and it was the biggest upset in Super Bowl history. Opinions are opinions. Facts are facts. Another argument against Namath is that he shouldn't have won the MVP award in that Super Bowl. Some fans say the real MVP was Jets running back Matt Snell. It's a valid argument, too. Snell carried the ball 30 times for 121 yards and scored the Jets' only touchdown. He also caught four passes for another 40 yards, which gave him 161 total yards. 
Namath's detractors say that while Namath played a good game, he did nothing out of the ordinary, completing 17 of 28 passes for 206 yards with no touchdowns. Why the MVP? If you look at early Super Bowl history, you'll see that the winning quarterback won the MVP award in five of the first six Super Bowls. It was almost a given that the MVP would go to the winning quarterback. Bart Starr won the first two, Namath the third, Len Dawson the fourth, and Roger Starbeck the sixth. None of them did anything out of the ordinary to warrant winning the award. The only reason the MVP did not go to the winning quarterback in Super Bowl V was that Earl Morrill, who had replaced an injured Johnny Unitas, only completed 7 of 15 passes for 147 yards with no touchdowns and one interception. There's also something else about Namath's performance in that Super Bowl game. Namath called his own plays. He saw early on that the Jets were having success running the ball, so he held his ego in check and called a conservative game. That's not something you would expect from a player who some said had an inflated ego. Joe cared more about winning than his stats. He was a team player. Say what you will about Namath's reputation, relishing of the spotlight, guaranteeing the win against the Colts, spending late nights with the ladies, wearing those white shoes, having long hair and wearing mink coats. But when it came time to play, nobody took it more seriously. Nobody cared more about winning, and nobody was tougher. Just how tough was he? He tore his ACL during his senior year at Alabama. There was no surgery back then to repair an ACL properly. Yes, there was an operation, but the key was resting, rehabbing, and hoping. So Namath was already at a disadvantage with damaged knees at the start of his pro career. He signed with the Jets for an unheard of figure, $427,000. They put him on the cover of Sports Illustrated and tagged him with the nickname Broadway Joe. No one in pro football at that time was making anywhere near that kind of money or getting that kind of attention. That made many players jealous. It also put a bullseye on Namath's chest. There were no special rules to protect quarterbacks back then, and Namath took hit after hit from every defense in the league. Joe had his jaw broken in 1967 game against the Oakland Raiders. Despite being the victim of numerous cheap shots, he didn't miss a single game in the first five years of his career. In 1965, he was voted Rookie of the Year. In 1967, he became the first quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards in a season. No one did that again until Dan Fouts accomplished the feat in 1979. He was the AFL MVP in 1968 and again in 1969. He led the Jets to their first and only Super Bowl victory, a game in which he was named MVP. From 1965 to 1969, 
The Jets' combined record was 42 wins, 27 losses, and 4 ties. Some insist he had only one or two good seasons. Some will say he hardly ever played after the 1969 season. Not true. Although numerous injuries and concussions plagued Namath for the rest of his career, he still played in 67 of 98 games from 1970 to 1976, most of them in considerable pain. Those were down years for the Jets, too. Five different coaches oversaw a dismal 34-64 and 64 record. In 1970, he broke the wrist on his throwing hand and was able to play in only five games. The next year, he played in only four games because of yet another knee injury. It was perhaps his worst injury of all. It happened on August 7, 1971 in a preseason game against the Detroit Lions. Namath handed off to seldom used running back Lee White. White fumbled the ball, which was recovered by Detroit Lions middle linebacker Mike Lucci. As Namath tried to tackle Lucci, a linebacker named Paul Numeroff speared Namath's knee with his helmet. That hit resulted in Namath's fourth knee surgery. When asked why he attempted to tackle in a meaningless preseason game, Namath replied, it's the only way I know how to play. Although he missed most of that 1971 season, Namath played for another six seasons on knees that were so damaged and swollen that he often had to have them drained at halftime to be able to continue playing. But in 1972, Namath showed that he could still play. In a Monday night game at Oakland, Joe threw for over 400 yards against the Raiders in a losing effort. Raiders fans gave Namath a standing ovation as he limped off the field. In another 1972 game against the Colts, Namath threw for 496 yards and six touchdowns in just 28 attempts. It was perhaps the best game of his career. At season's end, Namath made the Pro Bowl. In 1973, he suffered a shoulder injury and played in only six games. The Jets went 4-10. Then in 1974, the Jets started the season 1-7, but finished the year 7-7 after six consecutive wins. For his performance, Namath was voted Comeback Player of the Year. But the constant punishment had taken its toll. In 1975 and 1976, the Jets won a combined 6-22, and, and Namath threw a staggering 44 interceptions. He occasionally showed flashes of his former brilliance, but his best days had long since passed. Namath played one more season with the Los Angeles Rams, appearing in just four games before retiring. Now let's compare Namath with another great player, the Bears' Gale Sayers. Over his entire career, Sayers played in only 68 games. 
He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Why? Because when healthy, Sayers was the best around. The same is true for Namath. In all honesty, I'm not that interested in who gets into the Hall of Fame and who doesn't. It's a matter of opinion. And I know opinions vary. They always do. And that conclusion certainly applies to Namath, who has many fans and many detractors. If you want to go by stats alone, I admit that I can't give you a lot of reasons why Joe Namath is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But I can tell you this, he was one of the best pure passers the game has ever seen. Ask those who played against him. Ask the Baltimore Colts defense that had no answers against Namath that sunny January afternoon in 1969. Ask former coach and football analyst John Madden who said, there is no quarterback I respected more and feared to coach against more than Joe Namath. Say what you will about his stats, but in his prime, no coach or defense slept well the night before facing Broadway Joe Namath. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.